What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison. I'm pleased to be joined on this Friday with the one and only, the um, the effervescent, handsome, always fully lotioned, at Marcus underscore Mosher. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, skincare is a, an important thing for everybody, so don't poo-poo it. You're not doing well. Let me just tell all of you guys, Marcus was arguing with me and being very, very, I don't know what the word is, curmudgeon Carl about mm. the Deshaun Watson news. So Deshaun Watson, in case you missed it, uh, suspended 11 games by the NFL. He's getting fined 5 million bucks. And ironically, his first game back is going to be at the Houston Texans. So... With that, Marcus has some strong takes and opinions on this. Why don't you just just let it go, man? Just let it go. Air it out. All right. Crack my knuckles. All right. First and foremost, why, why does the first game back have to be against the Houston Texans? Because that almost makes it feel like if you like are a critic of the NFL, that this is all scripted, right? His first game back playing in the NFL will be against his former team. It's just a bad look, right? I think you'd be better off to give Deshaun Watson a 10-game suspension and have him play one game before he has a ruckus against the Houston Texans on primetime, right? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Why Why do you need to do that? Why not have 12 and have him miss it altogether, miss that circus and acknowledge that you don't think it's good to promote uh, that game, but that's not going to happen. And I can tell you why it's not 12 because Deshaun Watson's can't push so hard for it to be 11 or fewer. And why is that? Because in order for a contract to toll, which basically means like to count for that season, you have to be eligible to play in six games, right? So mm-hmm. if he's suspended 12 games, he's not eligible to play in six games, which means he has to wait another year before hitting free agency. His base salary for the 2023 season would then be $1 million, making it harder for Deshaun Watson to make more money throughout the course of his career. So he didn't want that. He was willing to accept a five or excuse me, 11 game suspension and pay $5 million in fine in order to have to, to reach free agency quicker which ultimately screws over the Browns here more than Deshaun Watson. What's the gross amount of Deshaun Watson and Watson's entire contract? Total dollar value. $230 million. Right. Do you think a guy really cares that much if he's making $230 million to make another $200 million in the free agent market five years from now? Do you think he really cares yes. that much about the money? Yes. Because lawyers are expensive. <laughs> and Maybe especially so. after you've been paying a lot of money for lawyers already. And how I, we have no idea how much he paid out in settlements to 24 women already. Okay. Yeah, he probably does. Okay. What I what I mean to say is if he's delayed by to free agency by one year, does it really make that much difference whether you make two or three or four hundred million yes. one year later? Yes. Because it's just all about the potential earning years, right? I mean, that that could by the time we get to the end of his contract, that could be easily sixty or seventy million a year he's missing out on. Okay, I think the NFL assumes that the player doesn't want to miss games and that they're not going to be happy about missing eleven games. But 
in my but experience, it, but in Watson's case, he already showed you last year. He doesn't care. He sat out a whole year because he didn't want to play for the Texans. Yeah, but there's only so long that you can sit out of the NFL and then just come right back in and try to, to try to play. Most of the guys that have done that have not done very well. I'll just e- say even this more you, of man. a reason why he can't afford to have this year not toll for his contract. So you really think that quarterbacks that are making this amount of money care deeply about the money part in terms of what the money can buy you. Well, not necessarily buy you, but what you can do with that money, right? It's just, and we know how fast quarterback careers can go. So yeah, you want to earn as much as possible in the 10, 12, 15 year stretch you can. I would argue the other point these days, quarterbacks see how long you can play and how much money they can make over the long run. Sure. But I don't really think quarterbacks care that much whether they make the the buying value of $250 million versus $300 million. I don't think they really care. I think what quarterbacks care about, whether it's one Brady's case, I know he doesn't care because he's proven it over and over again that he doesn't care that much. And these other quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers or someone else, I think they care about what their peers are making and they don't want to be disrespected. Whether that total was five million or fifty million, quarterbacks that fancy themselves to be elite or see what other guys are making on the market, they just want to make sure that they would make more. For example, if we had no precedent, do you think Aaron Rodgers wouldn't play football for five million dollars a year? If we had no precedent of what the salaries currently are, if Aaron Rodgers was just some twenty-two-year-old kid coming out of college, would he play for five, eight, ten million? Absolutely. But once he gets good, he wants to make sure that he's not making less than the guy for the Bears who's making $12 million. I really don't think once you get up into the hundreds of millions of dollars that these players are sitting here thinking about, gosh, what can I buy with $230 million that I can't buy with $200 million? I just I, – I, I know how competitive these guys are. I know how much they whine about what other guys are making and their agents do too. That's why I slightly disagree with you. But I do agree with your point that this is what the Browns camp wanted. But doesn't it have to be a give and take at this point with the league? I mean, sort of. But I I feel like of the three sides, right, the NFL gets a 10-plus game suspension and a huge fine. Watson's contract gets the toll. And basically what it ends up amounting to Cleveland is like a lost season, right? Hey, we got it. This was the one year that Watson's salary was going to be really cheap that we could try to load up and try to win a Super Bowl. Now he's going to miss 75% of the season. And then next year, he's going to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. You know, I think this was designed by somebody and somebody came up with this where this is a win for all. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's a win for, for you or me, but think about it. Deshaun Watson's camp gets what they want, right? The league gets to promote a game that they know is going to get a big rating or they think is going to get a big rating. They get what they want, and they look quasi-tough on Deshaun Watson by going from six games to 11 games, by going from no fine to a fine. That's the way that I see it. I'm not saying that I agree with it. I'm saying I think the parties look at it as, yeah, we, we came out of this all right. I think everybody looks bad. Uh, th- that's my takeaway. I think everybody looks bad coming out of this. I'm not talking about, see, I'm not talking about yours and my perception of whether they look good or not. I'm talking about what the people that were behind the scenes working on this are thinking, 
like, Hey, we got a tougher, we're going to, we don't look like such, you know, weaklings. They don't care about anything ethical in the NFL, even though we know they don't. And we're going to look like we gave him a stronger punishment. We did. He got almost twice the suspension. He had no fine before. Now he has a fine and we're going to get a huge game against Houston. Yay us. And Deshaun Watson's camp is, is probably glad handing over. Hey, we look contrite. We worked with the NFL as best we could underneath certain parameters. And oh, by the way, Deshaun Watson doesn't have to wait to go to free agency. We win. Yay. Meanwhile, you and I think it stinks. Well, it it stinks for so many different reasons, but let's not forget like the NFL and the Players Association collectively bargained to have somebody else hear punishment stuff like this. And in the first ruling they have with Sue Roberts, they just completely say, no, we're not, we're not listening to that. It just agreed. Uh, but I haven't seen a lot of complaining about that part of it to me. That's a huge part of this, but I don't think that that's being treated as a huge part. Because if you're Deshaun Watson's party and they say, Hey, six game suspension starting now, why do you even need to get to the negotiating table after that? Like, Hey, this is what was said, but because Roger Goodell wants something different, it, it just, it makes the whole process look like a sham. That's really what it is. I, don't disagree with you there. I'm merely stating that all parties, I'm hot today. Can you tell? I can tell. All I'm saying is all the parties that are involved probably think that this is best case scenario. They're not looking at it from the way that you and I are looking at it. Yeah. If you want to know my opinion, I think the whole thing is stupid. And you know who I feel the least sorry for? The Cleveland Browns. I don't care if they have a wasted season. Too bad. You signed him. You wanted to sign him, and then you gave him this BS deal so that he wouldn't be punished, basically. To be fair, fair, they've structured a lot of deals in a similar way where the first year is super low, and then the cap goes up because they know the way that the cap goes, right? It goes up every year. Did those other players players come in with the baggage that this player's coming in with? And I'm being really polite right now. But I I don't. Just based on the the contracts that Andrew Barry has signed and the extensions, this is very much in line with what he does. I don't think it was a Deshaun. This is the way they were going to do it. So Deshaun Watson didn't have to pay a fine. I I truly don't think it was like that. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But you still decided to sign that player. Yes or no? Yeah, but I don't. I, I, I think people are getting irrationally upset about the contract when it's just so much in line about what they do with everybody else when i'm i'm not getting irrationally upset i'm simply just speaking the truth look if your boyfriend or girlfriend stands you up the first time you're going to have a date and you decide to go out with them again and the same thing happens again at what point is it on you you know the, the browns decided to jump into this quagmire that how many suitors were there really for deshaun watson i would argue only two real ones Oh, I think there was way more than that. Saints, Falcons, Panthers were all very much into this. To, to come down to this far, I think it was down to Panthers and Browns. That's what I think. I but know the Falcons were really close to getting the deal done. You think the Falcons were really going to pull the trigger in the yes. way that the Browns did? Yes. Okay. All right. So if you've got three organizations that come down to the wire and they decide to to make this choice, okay, it is a choice. They haven't been afflicted with something here. In other words, it's not like, Marcus, that they signed a player 
Um, look at Washington when they signed Albert Hainsworth. That's probably the most notable one I can think of. Did they know that Albert Hainsworth was going to flop so badly and not even try? I mean, I think Washington legitimately got a bad deal there. You're, you know what you're getting coming in. You know that the NFL, and due to the new CBA, you knew that this was going to happen where they were going to have an, uh, basically an arbiter, a judge, listen to it. You also knew, I think, that if that judge came in and it was too light, that there would be some hand wringing over it. I just, I don't, I don't understand how you can do your due diligence on a player and not expect something like this to come down the pike. Cleveland needed to be prepared for him to miss the entire season. But why? What do you mean? Why? There were, there were so many people that thought he should miss the entire season. Why, why shouldn't have Cleveland thought, Hey, there is a small chance here that we could sign this player and he not play down for us this year. How do you sign a player like that and not even have that enter your mind as a possibility? Because it would be unprecedented, right? We've never had a player before get suspended for more than six games when they faced absolutely zero criminal criminal charges, right? So bear in mind that when the NFL went into this, uh, there was at least one case that had not been settled yet. And so they weren't, they weren't totally sure with everything, but they knew that, that uh, in terms of, of criminal charges, it wasn't going to come to pass. Okay. We got that. Um, but you know what else had not ever been done before where you had a judge collectively bargained to hear this. Okay. That was new too. This whole process was new. You just referenced that. Yeah. And now you know, you know what else never happened before? <laughs> Roger Goodell going back in on his newly appointed judge and said, yeah, that's not good enough. Let's get one of my buddies in here or someone that I know from previous dealings. I'm just saying the whole doggone thing is unprecedented. How about Deshaun Watson's contract? I'm talking about the volume of it with the way that it was structured. We've never had a deal like that. Either. We've never had one as big as that. That's what right? I'm talking about. But we've right. had ones that are similar in nature to that, but just not as in, big. In nature, that were a fraction of this deal. So um, I just, is it really shocking? What part? Well, I guess what I'm, I, I don't, I guess I don't see, the one angle I don't see is feeling sorry for Cleveland. On well, I'm, I'm not. I'm level. not saying that you should feel bad for Cleveland. I just think of the three parties, they got the shortest end of the straw. Maybe so, but that's. I guess what I'm saying is, you can't tell me you did due diligence on this player, unless you consider all possibilities. And one of the possibilities you had to consider was that a, it was going to be more than six games to begin with. I know some people were worried about eight games i.e. certain Browns fans and things like that. But you also had to know that this new process hadn't been done yet, and if this judge didn't come in strong enough, that this could happen. Either way, either way, if you look at the Browns' schedule, the last six games that he's going to play, four of them are on the road. The two home games are New Orleans and Baltimore. You could be looking at a big, fat 3-3 three and three there. It's not going to matter. I'm not... When you get suspended for that amount of time, it's not going to matter. Cleveland's not going to be a part of the, the playoff hunt. Well, what I was going to say to you is there's a chance Cleveland could be 6-5 and five with Jacoby Brissett and go 3-3 three and three with Deshaun Watson. Look at the schedule. You know the defense that they have. You know that Jacoby Brissett can play well enough. 
he's, he's not a great player, admitted, but it's not like Jacoby Brissett fell on his face with the Colts. They upgraded. They went and got Phillip Rivers. So why couldn't Cleveland go have a better record with Brissett than they do with Watson? In fact, I would probably predict that at this point. If you look at their schedule. Yeah, I don't know. I think Cleveland's going to be like four and seven with Brissett. I'm not saying, by the way, I want to just circle back. I'm not saying that quarterbacks don't care about money. I just, in my dealings with high level athletes and really, really competitive people, it's less about the buying power, the difference between 275 million and 240 million. And it's more about why are these other quarterbacks getting paid more than I am when my numbers are better? That's what it's about. And so I don't know that Deshaun Watson waiting one more year for free agency is the biggest deal in the world, especially when quarterbacks are proving they can play to 40 years old and he's such a young guy. But then again, certain people are extremely greedy. And if we're, if we're going on ethics here, we're probably choosing the wrong example. So, uh, you know. Can we move on? I'm done. To, I, I don't want to yes, talk about Watson. Yes, we can. So uh, we were just talking about what Cleveland will do with Jacoby Brissett. And I was looking at the schedule and I have my week one upset. And I want to know if you can look at the week one schedule and see if you can pick the one game that I think is going to be a pretty big upset. Are you going to pick the Jets over the Ravens? I am. Yes, don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do it, huh? No. Baltimore is historically one of the best teams in week one under John Harbaugh. You're playing a Jets team with a brand new offensive line against an immobile quarterback in Joe Flacco, who I know is looking good in training camp. I get it. That the Jets offense just does not match up well. The, the Ravens have they've got a ton of really good secondary players. They're gonna get a pass rush. I I don't see how the Jets win that game. Well, we'll find out. You know, the Ravens lost in week one last year. FYI. They did, but it, I mean, it's a much better team than it was a playoff team they lost to. I mean, okay. I don't think you were calling the Raiders a playoff team in week one last yeah, year. But but I think the Raiders, with a much better roster than the Jets, playing Joe Flacco, who, I mean, I, I get that he's been looking good at camp, but it's still Joe Flacco, guys. Let's Let's remember that. That's true. And it was really an all-star, unbelievable player that beat the Ravens last year, Zay Jones. So anyway, uh, that Brian was my – uh, <laughs> it wasn't Brian Edwards. It was No, Zay I know. Jones. Zay Jones got the, the game when he touched up, but Brian Edwards went crazy in the fourth quarter in overtime. That's true. He's a good little player. I mean, come on. So another – just kind of staying with it on the quarterback front here, Bears and Seahawks played last night, and a couple things on both sides of this. One, I don't know how you start Geno Smith over Drew Locke. I don't know how you do it. Because I've seen Drew Locke play. (laughs) Yes, but I've also seen his mobility, uh, his ability to run and make something happen. And I feel like we know what Geno Smith is. Drew Locke, did did he really get a fair chance? He may not be a good enough player. That's fine. But I think there's far more of a catalog of Geno Smith and there is true. There is, but who's the, who do you, who do you trust more in a leadership role? Drew Locker, or Geno Smith. Oh, I, I, Geno Smith. I guess that's the right answer. I mean, here. cause 
inevitably what's going to happen is the Seattle team is going to struggle and they need somebody that can be like, Hey, let's, let's keep working. Let's not pout. Let's get through the week and have a good week of practice. Guys, just not drew lock to me at all. If you want to, I, I get that the difference on the field is probably not that different. And there's a chance that drew lock maybe is even better, but when you're on a bad team like that, you need somebody that can, keep everybody accountable and working hard. I think that's just Gino far more than it is Drew Locke. You don't think it's uh, DK Metcalf? No. <laughs> no. And I like DK, but no. It, you, I think Gino is at the point in his career where he's going to have the respect of the locker room. It hasn't happened that, to Drew Locke. That's fair. I think I would just rather, if I know we're going to be bad, I think I would rather see the guy that's got less catalog and see what he can do. Um. Geno Smith did have some drops last night. They're both going to play this year. I, I've got yeah. no doubt about that. Was the score? I think it was seventeen nothing Bears at halftime. I I I may be wrong on my preseason no. score. <laughs> Seattle had eight three and outs last night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if we go to the other side of the field and we go to Chicago, Justin Fields, I think is going to rush for over eight hundred yards this year. <laughs> I do. Have to. Um, because their offensive line, it, it, we've talked about how bad it is. You know, I was looking at his rushing numbers last year. He ran for over 400 yards. He had 5.8 yards per carry and two touchdowns. And I looked at, okay, who's the best running quarterback in the league? Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson had 5.8 yards per carry in two rushing touchdowns last year. Now, one difference, key difference, is a much higher percentage of Lamar Jackson's runs went for first downs mm-hmm. than uh, Justin Fields which could be to uh, a credit to Lamar Jackson's discernment in knowing when to run, or it could just tell you that Chicago was in much less favorable third down (laughs) positions in uh, Baltimore or or both could be true. But is there any way that Justin Fields does not have a bonanza year running the ball? No, they're going to have to, right? The offensive line's so bad that he's going to be forced into running situations. My only plea for Chicago is please, please, please do not get into this strategy of, hey, we need to protect Justin Fields and we need to protect our defense. So let's run the ball on first and second down to get into third and manageable. If you want to ruin Justin Fields, that's the fastest way to do it because you're going to be putting him in unfavorable down and distances. Let him go out there and, hey, at first out, if he needs to run for seven yards on a bootleg, or whatever, do that rather than let him fail. Play. I, I let think him fail. I think he's going to fail if they try to be too conservative with him. Right, but I mean, let him fail in a different sense than you do. I mean, let him fail. Let him take some shots. Let him run. Let him learn a little bit that you got to slide. All those kinds of things. It's really hard to teach that until something happens, whether it's a uh, an errant interception or it's getting hit hard on a scramble. Yes. I don't think you can baby and coddle these guys. And that's really what you're talking about here. So yeah, yeah. you're you're talking about don't let him fail from a career standpoint and ruin him. I'm saying, let him make mistakes. Do not try to hide him like he's a corner that can't cover his guy. And I don't want them to treat him like Russell Wilson early in his career where, Hey, just don't just go out there, hand the ball off. We just need you to make a few throws a game and our defense will win. They don't have that type of defense. I know Matt Eberflus probably believes that they do, but they don't. If they try to play that style of football, they're going to get crushed every week. I would rather let 
Fields be aggressive early on downs and try to make some big plays when the defense is on their heels a little bit. One other little thought that came kind of a league wide league wide thought for me that came out of that game. Um, but it was from Seattle, Chicago is uh, Travis Homer got some carries looked pretty good. They're talking about a running back by committee there. And then now Khalil Herbert, they're talking about a running back committee with him and David Montgomery when Montgomery was really the guy, except when he was hurt last year, Herbert was really more of a replacement player, not a splitting time kind of player. Mm. I know that running back by committee is all the rage right now, but there is no hard data that says running back by committee works better than having a big league back who carries the ball a ton for you. And, you know, where you set up defenses, you know, early in the game, uh, maybe a Derrick Henry beats you with speed. And then later in the game, he pounds you. You cannot do that when you're constantly splitting time with backs. And when you're splitting time with backs, what happens, what I see is a lot of times these running backs want to make big plays so bad that they do the one cut and go. But sometimes when you wait just a little bit, something much bigger can open up. It's if, if football was all about, hey, let's just run into the line as fast as we can. Then there's really no difference between any running back in the league. And I, I refuse to believe that because the first 80 years of the NFL showed us that there's major differences between elite running backs and secondary running backs. I will say the differences though, now from football in the sixties and seventies, especially is the season's just a whole lot longer than it used to be. Right? So teams don't want their running backs peaking in October. They want them fresh by January and February, right? Our NFL season goes into January now. So they they are trying to find ways to manage their workloads, not running guys in the preseason at all, so that when big games come, their running backs are fresh, and this is the best way to keep them fresh. I think that that's true if you retrofit that reasoning, but this was going on during the 16-game season, and it goes on series to series. It's not even a matter of uh, – it goes on within a series – you know, I'm all for... But we have know, tracking data now, though, that shows, like, when players are more susceptible to soft tissue injuries, right? And they have that data as games are going on. So if you're giving a guy six carries on a drive, there's a good chance by that six carry, he pulls a hamstring or something or gets injured. They're trying to find ways to keep their guys healthier as the season goes on. Six carries on a drive is a little bit excessive. That's just but an example, it, right? Or yes. five touches, right? Maybe it's three runs and two receptions. Yes. But also, uh, if you you know, bring in a player to pinch hit and he hasn't played in five days and he strains an oblique, swinging too hard at a fastball or whatever, maybe that doesn't happen if he's playing a little bit more consistently. When guys get in sometimes, when they're in intermittently, they, they can press a little bit. And I, I just think there's something to a steady flow of a game. I'm not saying that running back by committee does not work for certain teams based on their personnel. And in Seattle's case, I could totally see it. Maybe in Chicago's case too. But I just refuse to believe that there aren't any bell cow running backs in the league anymore. And I don't want to use Christian McCaffrey as an example because Christian McCaffrey chose to bulk up. And I don't know. I, I can't say for sure that that's why he got hurt last year. But you know, when you bulk up too big for your frame, it's very, it's much easier to hurt your hamstrings 
and soft tissue injuries by getting too big for your frame, Marcus, than it is if you got five carries on but, one drive. But why? But why did he feel the need to bulk up? Oh gosh, there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, yes, you could say. I mean, the same reason why we know that being built at quarterback does nothing for you, and yet Dak Prescott walked out there like he just worked out his lats the first three years. Come on. You know, even he has acknowledged the, it. And the, the am I wrong here? McCaffrey is, the thing is, McCaffrey, he was getting worn down as the season went on because he was getting too many touches. Bulking up and putting extra muscle on your frame if your joints can't handle it actually makes you more uh, injury prone. I don't disagree. I, I never like the idea of running backs bulking up, but I know that there's a lot that feel like they have to basically for some body armor, right? If they're going to take 350 shots in a season – need to have a little more muscle to absorb some of those shots. Those guys end up getting injured. I, I don't know. I don't know if McCaffrey bulking up is the reason why he hurt his calf, but I don't know. Almost all the data I've ever seen, just in general health, the first thing they talk about when you have any kind of joint problems is weight. Weight. Less weight means less strain on the joints. It's, it's, it's simple. But – I, my my main point, though, was this. And by the way, there's a difference between someone like Christian McCaffrey bulking up and like Mike Tolbert. Mike Tolbert's frame could support that. Well, you know, Richard Seymour kind of bulking, is just a, right. was just a, I'm using a defensive lineman as an example. But Richard Seymour was not a guy that was a small guy who all of a sudden put on 80 pounds. He was just a giant man. Jonathan Ogden was a giant man. There are other guys who literally put way more weight on their frame than their frame can handle. So. I know when Roger Craig was the first guy I remember who actually trimmed down because he had been a fullback in Bill Walsh's offense. And when he trimmed down, he lost 15 to 20 pounds. He ran for 1,500 yards in 1988 and uh, led the NFL in rushing or was second. So anyway, uh, that was just my little thought. I know you love the running back by committee. I think it works sometime. I'm saying it should not be gospel in the NFL. It shouldn't. Do you want Derrick Henry in a running back by committee? If he's paired with the right running back, yes. You want prime Adrian Peterson getting well, reduced carries? Pair, you have to pair somebody with prime Adrian Peterson. The guy couldn't do anything in the receiving game. Chester I'm Taylor, talk- baby. Okay, I'm not talking about third down backs. All right, never mind. You're just being obtuse at this point. <laughs> I do. I feel like Andy Dufresne. I'm saying, why are you so I'm- obtuse? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so – uh, I, I need to share with our listeners that Marcus and his wife have been trying to set me up. And yeah, this is really strange. It's just gotten all sorts of awkward. And uh, do you, you care to comment on this? Uh, yes, actually. So the girl I was trying to set you up with last night, she said she wanted me to tell you, I was going to try to find the text, but she said, did you tell him I am a big Star Trek nerd? You see, no, most guys, Marcus included, probably most of our listeners, would instantly be turned off by that, you know. But let me tell you something. You get yourself a nachos bel grande, all beans, no meat, from Taco Bell, and a regular Mountain Dew, not Baja Blast, and watch yourself a little bit of Star Trek, that's a good night. That's a real good night. I disagree. But what would I know? Okay, we so I know you're bummed out about the Sean Watson thing. I and I I really do I really do see your points. I think they're well taken. Maybe my points are a little more out there. But I'll say this: there are 31 other teams in the league. 
Cleveland knew what they were getting into, and there's a lot to look forward to this football season. And you know what? They might sneak into the playoffs, and the Chargers will beat them, and you'll be really happy, and you can wear your Chargers polo. I'm really excited for, like, Panthers-Browns week one. Jacoby Brissett against Baker Mayfield, baby. Hey, let's go. Hey, pull up the Brown schedule. Let's 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 do this. Let's predict Hold on. it right Before now. Before we do that, hold on. Come can on. I can I do a, a minute Matt Rule rant? Because he made me oh, mad yeah. again today. Oh my gosh, you're terrible today. Go ahead. What else do you want to talk about? I want to talk about Matt Rule and what how idiotic the, the quarterback competition and is. And after that, I want to talk about why Demarcus Ware didn't get in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Matt Rule has a full-blown quarterback competition on his hands right now. And you would think going into week two of the preseason that you would want to see Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold play, right? No. no. You don't want to see either of those guys, right? No, you want P.J. Walker. You want P.J. Walker starting the game. Not not the third-round pick that you traded multiple uh, picks in the future to go get who is going to have to be on your roster. No, no, it's P.J. Walker who's getting the start of playing the entire first half tonight for the Carolina Panthers. Explain it to me, Elliot. Uh, I, I can't. I, I try I try to combat you where I think it's at least feasible. I, I'm with you 100% on this, 100%. It's idiotic, man. I, Maybe I, he I, thinks P.J. Walker needs the work. Um, he For what? You're going to carry four quarterbacks on your roster? I, Okay, I, then the other idea, right, because they have Matt Corral. I guess the other uh, thought would be, what if Baker's kind of nursing a little bit of an injury and Sam Darnold's just looked horrible and he doesn't want to put him back out there and they've already made their decision? Then play Matt Corral, your third round I agree. Pick. See, I know, I agree. Every eventuality leads back to the same thing. I'm I'm, I'm with you on this. All right, I'm sorry. This. We can do the Brown schedule. Do you want to do the Brown schedule right now? Yeah, if it makes you feel better, man, I'm really with you on just about all of your opinions, except for feeling sorry for the Browns. That's it. That's fine. It's okay. Okay. So, right. Here's let's, let's, let's look at the schedule. Okay. At Carolina week one. Uh, that I'm going to go with the Browns win. All right. Home, against the, home against the Jets. I'm going to go 2-0. Thursday night football, home against the Steelers. I'm gonna go three and zero. Yeah, they're not winning that game. Okay, uh, let's go two and one. We'll, right. we'll since you're such a Pittsburgh guy, all of a sudden two and one. At the Falcons in the next week, three and one. They might run for 400 yards that game. Uh, home against the Chargers, we'll go three and two. Okay, that's fair. We can't ever pick against the Chargers. It's, uh, next game, <laughs> home against the Patriots, we'll go three and three. Okay, at the Ravens. Three and four. Home against the Bengals. You know what? I'm going to give them a win here since you gave them a loss to Pittsburgh. It's at home. And as you pointed out, they did kind of dust up the Bengals. Boy, I just used a Jack Del Rio. Sorry. They uh, beat the Bengals. So what What are we at? Four and four? Yeah. Uh, By and then at Miami, one o'clock. Are we four and four or four and three? Four and four, right? Oh gosh, at Miami this game. I'm gonna go a tie, four, four, and one. Uh at the Bills. Four, five, and one. Home against the Bucks. Uh, four, six, and one. So there we go. Now Watson's back. Okay. Now let's now let's do the schedule with Watson. Okay. 
Uh, at Houston. Oh, I think that'd be a. I think Davis Mills would play his butt off. Oh, stop it. They're not winning that game. Okay. Well, you you're the one who was telling me that Houston would win more than three games. Yeah, would this not be a game they could win? No. No. All right. So five, six, and one. So one and zero oh with Watson. Okay. At the Bengals. Okay, one and one with Watson. Home against the Ravens. One and two with Watson. Home against the Saints on Christmas Eve. One and three with Watson. At Washington on New Year's Day. I'll give them a win. Two and three with Watson. At, at Pittsburgh. I mean, did you want to call that one? It's so hard. It could Week be two and who, four. It could be two and four. There's a chance that neither of those teams have anything to play for at that point. That's true. So maybe three and three. But you can see that with Watson, that's not an easy schedule. No, four road not. games and your two home games are against Baltimore and New Orleans, who you and I both think are playoff teams this year. Um, it's not easy, man. That's why it's going to end up being a lost season for Cleveland. If they go four, six, and one or whatever ridiculous record we have them, they're going to be out of the playoff hunt, right? They're basically going to have to run the table because I think it's going to take at least 10 wins in the AFC, maybe 11. So if Vegas gave you two to one odds, would you bet a thousand dollars that Cleveland would run for 300 yards against Atlanta? <laughs> two to one odds. If you get, if you said like 200, I would say done 300 yeah. a lot, but it's it is. It is. close. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's hilarious. All right, so let's pull a football card. All right, hold on. I got to go grab one. Now, my niece told me oh, that I had a guy really – I had a guy Sorry. looking at my internet the other day, and he saw all my football cards. I had to move them all aside. He didn't even bother to look at one. That's kind of upset. Pull, that's all right. Before you pull one, my niece said I really should explain to people what I'm doing because we just kind of do it. So if you haven't listened to us before – Marcus had, was it your friend or a cousin? I forget. That was a friend, a friend of mine. Brought two suitcases full of football cards. And they were all in those, like, if you ever collected football cards, those boxes that complete sets would come in. Mm -hmm. And so we just thought it would be fun for Marcus to grab a random set. And then he just pulls a card out. And we have to talk about whoever that is. And also we describe the card and whether, whether it looks good or not. I think our last one we did was a 1990 Fleer Eric Metcalf. Is that right? It was. It's right here, actually. I've got it. Well, this is an audio-only podcast, but yeah. Uh, here we go. So we are pulling. This is a score. 1992 okay. cards we're pulling, okay? Okay. Ready? Let me take a look at it. Yeah. All right. Here's the player. Another Broderick Thomas pull. We had Broderick Thomas once Did we have before. Broderick Thomas? Yeah. We didn't oh, have that card. One. We didn't have that card, but Broderick Thomas that year was incredible had a really nice career oh, oh you know at okay. one point detroit had broader thomas and pat swilling at linebacker after free agency kicked in it's not I bad guess you don't really care i know uh i don't know if you know this guy marcus doesn't care about any football that happened pre-2000 2004 uh harry colin <laughs> yeah he was a uh, new england special what a name player. by the way I know what what uh, my colon has felt hairy lately. What what uh, God, what what card is that? A, is that a ninety five score? No, it's no, a ninety three score. That's a ninety two score. score. Okay, I didn't collect that score that long. I I collected scores eighty nine and ninety. Not a bad looking card. It was it's okay. 
It's okay. I like the Broderick Thomas that the, he pulled out. The cool thing is the back of these cards are great because like that's the upright and the helmet, the, like the picture is between the uprights with the like stats below. It's a cool card. And what does that say on the back there? New England, what? Patriots. Because he has uh, an Oilers helmet on. No, that's a Patriots helmet. Oh, I couldn't it's see. Like, it it's that old school with the the snapper on it. All right. So, what do you, what do you what do you think about the uh, ninety two score cards I, here? You like I the backs? Of, yeah, they they've got like this black border that mm -hmm. I kind of like, and it's like a what color would you call that? A fuchsia. That is a fuchsia. Yes, a, a fuchsia. fuchsia. In case like you don't know, headed? fuchsia. Fuchsia is like purple and pink mixed together. Yeah, it's uh, and it's got like a little lavender. blue. Yeah, it's a cool card. I like it. I just wish I had a better card than Harry Colin. Well, you pulled out a Broderick Thomas, and Broderick Thomas had a monster year in 91. So obviously the 92 cards have the 91 stats uh, on the back. So that was always confusing. When I was a kid, when a player would get traded, they would paint on his new uniform. Yeah, it looks so, so if you bad. got like a 1980, you know, they they quit doing that somewhere like I think they quit doing that in 82. But when I was a little kid, I was collecting older football cards, you know, because the 1980 tops, Marcus, is the 79 season. So if the guy changed teams and they knew they, that he was going to be with a new team in 1980, they would take his photo and literally paint the helmet and paint the jersey. And it was so awkward. Yeah. They could have just put a little traded thing down there, but whatever. You're still looking at your cards. Yeah, I'm probably going to be looking at them the rest of the night. You know we are recording a podcast right yeah. now. All right. Well, first of all, tell her Star Trek is wonderful. If you want to tell her my tips for nachos, Done. no grande, all beans, no beef, a regular Mountain Dew. Um, yeah. It's fine. That's that's your order at Taco Bell? I usually get a bean burrito as well, but I'm trying to avoid the flour. I think it's acid reflux is causing my throat issue that I've been telling everybody about. So that's why I still sound like Tony Romo. Uh, but I think, I think it's I don't Taco know what Bell it, causing my stomach issues. But <laughs> I haven't been eating any Taco Bell. <laughs> I'm going to give you the last word so we can get out of here. This is so off the rails. I mean, Harry Cole is quite the name for a football player. Can you imagine social media now if there was a football player called Harry Colon? I'm just saying, that's it's quite the poll we had right there. See, I told you when we started this podcast that you would be in a better mood when we got out. Because honestly, people, you want to talk about curmudgeon Carl before we logged on. Not happy about Well, I, think about it. I was dealing with some Deshaun Watson stuff on Twitter. Matt Rule being Matt Rule once again. It's just, it's, I had to watch the entire Seahawks-Bears preseason game last night because you wanted to talk about it. I, of course I'd be in a bad mood. Of course. Seattle had eight three and outs last night, Elliot. Let me just tell you, yeah, that I was watched your, every second of that game. That was your only contribution to the conversation. I, I, I talked about Seahawks splitting carries. I talked about the Bears splitting carries. I talked about the Seahawks quarterback duel. I talked about Justin Fields. And you know what your contribution was? You watched the whole game just to say Seattle went three and out. All right, now I'm, I'm going to tell you a sequence in the game because I'm like, okay. This is a perfect time for Geno Smith. It's uh, there's a minute 42 left in the second half. It's uh, they got the ball like the 30 yard line. Let's see him get in field goal range. They went past the flat drop, false start, holding call, drop sack. That's how the two minute warning went. I'm like, oh great, this is this is going to be quite the season for Seattle. So, 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, Means that, I, at the same time, they're doing an interview on the sideline with DK Metcalf, and he's telling the reporter, yeah, I think the offense has a chance to be really special this year. It's just a lot of young guys. It's not going to be one person. And I'm just like, this. we got to stop, man. <laughs> Who's going to win more games, Chicago or Seattle? Oh, Chicago. I, I've, I think Seattle's going to have the worst record in the NFL. You know, when we did this, uh, we had, did a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago looking at every team's odds for their win win total. And I had Seattle and Chicago both at 5 and 12. So you think I'm off there? You show me where Seattle's getting five wins. <laughs> All right. What about Chicago? Five wins, too low, too Their high. roster's not – I don't think their roster's as good, but I think Fields will win them a couple games that they probably shouldn't. It's possible if they don't put the the constraints on them like we were referring okay. to earlier. But yep. uh, either way, I think we have worn out our welcome. I think I that's agree. fair to say. So yes. we're going to get out of here. He is at Marcus underscore Mosher. He's the host of Locked on Cowboys with Landon McCool. Give Landon uh, a follow on Twitter. He also covers the Raiders for USA Today. I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. And uh, you guys have a wonderful weekend. Go to Taco Bell. Nachos Bell Grande, Bean Burrito, Mountain Dew. You won't regret it. See y'all. Thank you.